Daisy. Michael. Gobble up. That's a good one. So, Daisy, welcome. Thank you for having me. So, you're going to talk to us a little bit about um, sort of the cultural impact and effect on people who come to Canada and are having a difficulty understanding our, our criminal justice system. And we've encountered this a lot with clients, a lot of them who come from China, but from other regions in the world as well. So let's talk about this a little bit. And has it been a challenge? Because you're a senior paralegal with our office. Yes. You're first line with a lot of the clients who are calling in. Yes. And, you know, what sort of challenges have you faced? What's it based on um, to give us sort of an understanding of how it's really impacting people? And this happens, I, I got to say, with a lot of our clients who come from other other countries are having a hard time grasping at how serious these allegations are and potentially what could happen to them. Absolutely. So uh, I got a lot of intake uh, when the clients uh, came to us. Uh, let's, uh, let's examine uh, the crime of the sexual assault. Yeah. And sometimes they said, oh, it's very ridiculous. Uh, my wife uh, called the police, said I uh, sexual assault her. How could, uh, how could I sexual assault my partner or wife or, or girlfriend? Um, we, we are like, in, uh, I think it's uh, like in incident of the, our relationship, our marriage certificate. How could I charge the bisexual assault? Yeah, and this is like real because we've encountered this, you know, we've been working together seven, eight, nine seven years. Seven years. years. And we've encountered this a number of times. And sometimes it's extremely difficult to overcome the misunderstanding, trying to educate them. And then they wind up, you know, we, we don't wind up representing them because they can't understand how we're explaining to them. No, no, this is actually quite serious and takes a lot of work. And it's just impossible to work with them because they just can't, they get, just can't get it. And then yeah. God forbid, you know, they're convicted yeah. with somebody else. Yeah, but uh, we can't blame the client because even, uh, even uh, in China nowadays, uh, there is no law uh, clearly uh, illegalized the non-consensual intercourse with a wife or intimate partners. So we cannot blame the client. Uh, I, I think, uh, how, about, uh, how about Canada? Yeah, I know you were saying the criminalization of non-consensual sex with a marital partner mm -hmm. uh, was amended in 1982. Wow. And, you know, we had to double check that because yeah. it's like, really? Yeah. I never just thought. Just 82, yeah. Thought, yeah, just 82. I thought we would have figured that one out a lot earlier. But <laughs> You would think. Yeah. Um, so, so, Daisy, what happens? And in the U.S. wasn't far no, off. No, no, they weren't either. Behind as well in, in grappling with that amendment, which really seems yeah. quite odd. Because, yeah, I mean, we're, we're spring chickens here, but is my hair up again? But, like, you know, 1982 is like yesterday. Yeah, it's the humidity yes. in the air, Joe. It's so hot day out there. Uh, so Daisy, what happens in China? You're, you're you know, pick any city. If yeah. the police get a report of a sexual assault, is it reported first of all? And if it is reported, what do the police do? Okay, so if someone called the police that uh, I'm sexual assaulted, 
so the uh, when the police, uh, so the first thing uh, when they are doing the investigation, what's the relationship between you and the uh, the the person you alleged mm -hmm. a sexual assault you? If they found out you are intimate. Uh, partner or your wife and husband, they, 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 they may think, oh, it's no reasonable ground I lay the charge. Uh, even they um, choose to charge you because uh, maybe you're just a, a non-husband uh, non wife relationship. If they decide to charge you, if uh, the complainant comes back and say, oh, I, I, I don't want to uh, I won't. I don't want to proceed with the case. I don't want to get uh, that person charged. So they, 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 they just withdraw the case. So they, they can get charged. Yeah, they may get charged, mm -hmm. but if they are uh, intimate partners mm -hmm. or wife and husband, most likely they, they won't get charged. Okay. And so if it's if it's a situation where they could have just been dating, let's say. Mm -hmm and a sexual assault is alleged, yes. the complainant can say to the police or to the, the prosecuting mm -hmm. authorities, I don't want to proceed and that's the end of it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's again another conceptual issue that people have here because we can get calls from complainants yes. who go, I didn't know, you know, I just wanted my husband to be warned. I'd like him to come home. Can he come home? Right. And what you're telling them like, <laughs> Yeah, no, that's uh, not happening that's for any time soon. Yeah. Exactly. And some client uh, came to us and said, oh, my wife or my girlfriend called the police. And when the police attended and they they directly told the police, oh, I regret. Oh, he's, I think it's just uh, uh, something, some issues between us. I, I don't want my husband or my boyfriend get charged. You guys can leave. But it won't happen in, in Canada. It may happen in China, but it's not here. Yeah, so this is actually interesting. So, because we get these, you know, these discussions too. It's like, well, you know, when can I go back home? Or, or the complainant's calling, you know, when, when can he come back home? This can just get solved. And it's like, yeah, no, if you've alleged a sex assault. He's out of the house. For he's out of the house for a long time. Long this time. is going to go to trial or, right. or it results in a very serious Right. You know, finding against the person. Like, it's not a joke. Like, the reason we're actually addressing this is because one of the, the aspects that we find when we're dealing with cases, whether they're false or not, is because sometimes when a complainant from another country makes an allegation, and we're not saying that they shouldn't make complaints for any violations of their bodily integrity. We're not saying that. But what we are saying is sometimes what's not understood is the import of what they're saying to the police right. and then what the consequences are. And then when they start to figure out, oh, shit, like this is serious that, you know, they can't come home. Right. Then all of a sudden they realize I shouldn't have said this. And they think you can just fix the scenario mm -hmm. and you can't. And then you've got to tease out what's a false allegation, what's right. not a false allegation. You've got a family. You don't want to destroy the family, but you got to go to a trial. It's a whole disaster. It is. It's financial ruin. The guy has typically the guy has to rent a new place to stay in. He's got to hire a lawyer. Right. He's got to pay sometimes child support if it goes into family court. It's just the consequences are incredible. Like very difficult for the client. Right. Uh, sometimes they have a baby to uh, to take yeah. care mm -hmm. and to need yeah. to take care of and other persons. So it's very hard. And uh, the funny things, and I, I remember uh, several clients, 
they uh, be because uh, before they came to us uh, they did some uh, search and they asked some uh, google lawyer and they searched the, <laughs> like the google uh, lawyers yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know who they are <laughs> well we're kind of google lawyers. yeah, but yeah. We're, we're the good google lawyers <laughs> Wait, so, we're not denic we're not saying anything bad about any other law no firm. we're Go not ahead. or their so suits they they searched the, like it's very funny they searched like oh uh pre-trial resolution so what's a pre-trial resolution it's kind of like uh, the resolution between me and the complainant. Right, if I, this is a good point. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't understand our pre-trial uh, resolution is very different. What's uh, our pre-trial resolution is? It means mm -hmm. someone's been charged and the case is progressing through the system. Right. And are you describing back home, for example, where there's some sort of either restorative justice or elders or some, something happens? Some, right. some sort of comp intervention. So here we have to have meetings with the Crown right. attorneys or judges exactly. and talk about a resolution. But it's different for China. Right. There can be the possibility of compensation. Explain that because we get that question a lot and that's like a no-go in Canada either. Yeah, uh, uh, in China, if you uh, actively or initiate the compensation for the victim and get their forgiveness, uh, you even can get your charge based on. Withdrawn. Yeah. yeah, but in, in Canada, uh, the, the pre-trial resolution is, is like you said, it's between your lawyer and the uh, the uh, the crown and prosecutor yeah. it's not between the victim and and the accused and, and and so we've had people say to us like can i not speak with her and resolve it or do whatever right. and we're trying to explain to them no you can't right and they're not understanding that and it's a real difficulty yeah um you know i, I tell you what's interesting based upon is there is there anything you've read so far in china for an amendment to to these rules, like that, that they're they're going to make it similar to Canada, or it just seems like that's the way it's going to be going forward. Still, I think it's a way still uh, going forward. You know, one of the greatest challenges then is how do you how do, as new immigrants to Canada, you know, getting acclimatized and educated as to what the laws are here? Because a lot of the time we we, we try very hard. You you spend sometimes hours with clients trying to explain exactly. the process, the law, and how it differs from their experiences in China. And we've had this with clients from other countries as well. That's a culture shock. It's a cultural yes, it's shock. Culture. I have one guy who, who has this experience coming from Middle Eastern country. He's got a trial set in 2024, and it's like a complete disaster for them. But it takes, it's even with hours of explanation, giving them literally cases, trying to translate stuff for them, it's still not sinking in. Wow. And then and then the other concern that we have here often is then those who, when they come here, because we've heard this before, abuse the system by making, because they know the power that they have here, right. and then try and change their situation, which may not be a criminal context, but use that system to their advantage. We've seen this a lot. Right. So uh, another thing, uh, I remember you got a client who is charged by uh, sexual assault. Yeah. And he even tried to offer the money to the complainant. And uh, the complainant, maybe they get, uh, they, uh, they uh, couldn't get uh, the uh, settlement about the money amount. Mm -hmm. And so the complainant reported him again to the police and he's charged Breach. another 
Yes. Failed to comply. That's yes, what he. That's when he to came us. to us. Yes. He came to us. Let's yeah. be clear. He came to us after he did after that stupid he, thing. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. He said, uh, "Why I just want to make the compensation? So it's very difficult to uh, give them the like." From their perspective of the allegation, you need to know why they appreciate mm -hmm. the, uh, their case like this. You need to uh, make them understand the difference, uh, the, the, the uh, difference of the law in China and the, uh, in Canada. Right, and another thing they don't understand is once, once there's a complainant, she is then surrounded by Canadian supports versus Chinese or whatever country supports. Now she's being re-educated in terms of the process and what's right. available to her and what's not available to her. So as soon as she's taught, no, your husband can't buy you out of this. Right. Then you know it's a it's a cultural shift for her, less so for the accused. It's why we took a lot of effort and time with them. If they, it's really you know we can't overemphasize just how much of a problem this is because we have clients who come from all walks of life. Um, from different socioeconomic backgrounds and from different, you know, countries and different cultural understandings. And it's a real challenge. Um, and it's not a joke when I said poor Daisy's, you know, been speaking to people for literally hours, trying to explain it, sending them things, you know, uh, you know, case law and other stuff. And it's so hard to understand. And then with that lack of understanding, if they don't remain with us because they don't accept what we're telling them and they go elsewhere, or they're unrepresented, they wind up just getting chewed up by the system and convicted and life is over. Right. right. You know, Especially if they're not citizens, they've got immigration then to contend with. Well, you know, let's say they're a permanent resident and they get convicted of sex assault. What happens? Yeah, if they get uh, uh, like jail sentence more than six months they were uh, they were they cannot renew their PR uh, status in Canada and they were they were being deported mm -hmm. they were lost the status yeah, we're in not Canada. yeah we're not immigration experts but we know right. you're out of the country right. it's often why we get an immigration opinion but if they're going back to a country where they're at risk like mm -hmm. they came here for a refugee or if they're a political refugee or right. they're they're facing, you know, death in the other country due to other reasons. Yeah, you may be able to keep them here. Right. But again, they don't appreciate that they've been here for a number of years. They're a permanent resident, um, but they've done nothing more to advance that. And all of a sudden, Boom. on a sex assault, yeah. they're looking at three, four, five years jail. They're toast. Right. Right. Even they, uh, like, with our effort, even they... Uh, uh, even they won't go to the jail if they get convicted. They there is a still immigration, sure. uh, yeah, in fact, uh, impact on them. They may uh, and also the employment. Well, criminal um, record. Yeah, they they got a criminal record. They can get uh, like uh, uh, work for the uh, for the for the uh, vulnerable sectors. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it it again like. To some of our regular viewers, I'm sorry if this is a little bit more mainstream or sort of um, more basic in education because we've got a lot of very sophisticated viewers from, from Canada, United States, UK, and other places understand this. But we also have some who are just grappling now and understanding it, um, what it's like in Canada. But, you know, the lasting impacts of, of these charges um, and then any findings of guilt is, is life-altering. And 
And sometimes we find in these cases, you know, there's there's maybe truth to the allegation, maybe there's no truth to the allegation, but the lack of understanding leads to almost a miscarriage of justice in and of itself. Right. We're not saying the offense didn't happen, that's not bad, but because of the her the the, the you know, the Herculean effort to try and get them to understand, even both parties, the end result can be extremely uh, uh, damaging and families are torn apart. Mm-hmm. And we've seen this a, a lot of times. Right. But, um, you know, it, it, it's funny. It, I, I'm just going to think of one example. You know, there's this one case where it, it, the other issue is when the person actually has a viable defense and they do try and work with you on it, they still don't understand what's necessary to get prepared. You know, these applications that we have to do under 276 and 278, the motions that we have to do, and the right. work that has to be done to try and prepare the person and actually get tease out of them what the defense is and run it. And some of them just don't get it, that it's a tremendous amount of work. And, right. you know, it, it's it's a real challenge. And I'm not, I'm not sure how to overcome it because we're having a large influx but we still have a significant percentage of people when they call us just by inquiries are just missing the, you know just missing this or not don't have this informational basis right no, and sometimes it's the compl- i guess i have to get calls from the complainants oh we get them all the time all the time right I, before we even get the accused calling us it's the the the, the wife's calling us we're fielding a lot of them yeah, recently, a ton of them yeah there's been a lot recently hi my husband's i'm calling on my husband's behalf well no actually you're not you can't um, he's been charged, and I want him back home. Well, let's have a conversation. <laughs> but, you know, what do we do in Canada as a government and with our agencies to try and accommodate what is an obvious, you know, passing in a night where where people clearly aren't understanding what's going on? And it's not as if... I mean, it's not like you get a pamphlet when you come to Canada... To Welcome explain. to Canada. Welcome to Canada. Here's the things you can't, here's the things you shirt, you cannot do, right? Right. Here's the rule book. But we don't do anything to try and accommodate, even in the context of a domestic assault. And again, we're not saying truthful or not truthful, but there's nothing done to accommodate. People are just ripped apart and we don't have any, um, we're so focused on uh, punitive measures, right. you know, stigmatization by conviction, maybe jail that's the focus uh, without any type of approach at maybe taking a more restorative type of approach with an educational basis maybe bringing in some sort of mediation process because we know these parties have come from a different background and frankly i don't i think that could be applied in certain cases here it's been tried a little bit but but it's failed it's failed horribly because there's no interest in it for, I, from the government standpoint. Right. right. I was reading about one of those cases. It was restorative justice type circles, yeah. a sex assault. Yeah. You know, the complainant signed on, the accused signed on, the crown signed on. You know, face to face, healing circle, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Charges withdrawn at the end. So uh, there should be was some. Was this in Toronto, Ontario? Yeah. Kara Sweeney, the crown, was involved in that case. One of the first ones. Yeah, yeah. She, she reached out to me on another one to do it that way. And she was taking a much more. Um, enlightened or holistic approach right. to it, trying to get everybody listened to. Um, it's it's funny because one of our viewers from one of our previous podcasts had actually made this comment that we have an overemphasis on incarceration and convicting people. Denunciation. And if, we, and if we tried to move away from that a little bit, we might be able to abridge the disconnect here and address 
you know, victims issues and, and accused issues and try and deal with it in, in a better way. And we have, and uh, good for Kara on that. Yeah. And she did approach me on that. But I think most of the time, that's just not the option. Yeah. And then there's this, look, and we're not saying violence against women isn't real, but there's this push that no matter what, because we haven't, you know, in China, they don't have mandatory charge policies right. and prosecution. We do here, you know, yeah. and we're, we're doing nothing to try and accommodate this understanding of what the cultural differences are. You know, I felt a few years ago that we were trying to trend in that direction. It's all lost. Got shut down. Yeah. But uh, the different culture, like, really gave us a lot of pressure. Y you know, like yeah, you yeah. just said, when we, uh, so when the client uh, came to us, they show, for example, they have the uh, record, they have the text message between him and uh, the complainant. Uh, maybe it's very, uh, it's uh, evidence can, uh, can for them they they came to us they say oh uh, joseph say it's a it's a record can uh, can can prove i'm uh, i'm innocent maybe after we have a sex uh, she still send me the message she, right. she said she enjoy it for example but you, uh, when we tell them oh we need to bring the motion we need to bring the application and it's a lot of work they don't understand at all and that, and that one or two of these messages in and of itself doesn't end the day. Right. Because a complainant can say certain things even and still be have, have been sexually assaulted. But you're right. They don't get it. They don't get it. Yeah. Why I, I need to pay so much money for the application? Why, why cannot you just use it as, a, as my evidence? It's well, we kind of feel the same way to a certain extent. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, the new legislation, when you talk about access to justice and, and those who come from more marginalized backgrounds and are charged in coming here and truly don't understand what's going on, but then maybe have these messages and say, like, I'm not, I'm falsely accused here, right. but their access to be able to run a trial is very challenging because these applications, I haven't drafted an application, you know, Diana's involved with this, she's absent today, but, you know, I haven't drafted one in less than about 30 to 50 hours. Not one less than 30 to 50 hours of work, if you want to do it properly. Because in order to make it admissible, you have to take these messages and the relevance, ground it in the evidence of the complainant, and make sure you're also not hitting on these myths. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of work. And I, I think, you know, it was a very good point raised um, by that viewer. And it made me think back to when we tried to do these integrated courts and do stuff that we need to look well, we need to talk to government and try and take a fresher approach like like Kara did to see if in certain cases you can try and move this out of the traditional criminal system, especially when you're dealing with families who come from other countries. Especially that, yeah. And, and, and to rip them apart for a year, year and a half to send it to trial. Because if somebody pleads guilty, they, you know, do a criminal record check, they can't get a better job. You know, they can lose the work they have. I mean, I had one fellow who was fired he was working at a bank, had a very good job. When they caught wind of the allegation, he was just fired. Just for the allegation. Just for the allegation. He was acquitted wow. at the end of the day. Yeah, of course. But was fired and never was and was never able to, able to make it back. I mean, we did a podcast a long time ago about the lasting impact of these things. But I, I remember this guy. He was 52, 53. Came to Canada when he was around in his 40s, but very educated. Got on with a bank, doing very well. But when... The allegation got to their attention, gone. Was and and even though acquitted, was never able to recover oh. by getting back into another 
financial institution and had to completely switch his mindset and basically opened his own business because he was never able to, and he loved the work that he was doing, um, which was more in the financial analyst area. I don't want to say more, but was never able to get back in and had loved that work. And that's just a perfect example. It is. I mean, we, we, you know, we love, you know, making it difficult for people to get back on their feet. I mean, you know, I know there's this push, there's some program now where people have been convicted, they're being hired and money's being put into it for jobs. But we're not talking about advancing people to higher careers and encouraging them. You know, let's say this happens to them when they're younger and they pass and they go through university and get a great degree and then want to go on. The f-ing records are still there. Oh, yeah. Right? Try and get one of the police services to purge it. Good luck. It, it's, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. You have to literally prove to the police on appeal that it was absolutely unequivocally false to get the records purged. And so when you take that in conjunction with, you know, what is this disconnect in their knowledge and understanding of law and it coming to Canada, we do a lot of harm to people who just don't understand the system. And I'm not saying you get a free pass because you're new to the country, but we got to do more than just you know, hammer them. Just hammer them. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. There's no transition for immigrants when they come here. It's like Chinese law, now Canadian and, law. And, you know, it's just recently we saw a case where <laughs> a fa- we won the case, and, and, and I, frankly, I thought we did a pretty good job in proving a false allegation, but it was somebody who came from one of these countries, got, got, got a job at um, one of these um, centers to help refugees in coming to the country, um, but from the domestic violence end, and the husband had paid for all the courses and training and encouraged her to do this, and once achieved all these goals, charged him with historical allegations and, and kept him. I, we, we've got f- f- tons of these. You know, I mean, I could go on. I mean, we do some case studies, but we got so many of them. And we, we won the case, all charges he was acquitted of, still in family court fighting it out. It, you know, the abuse goes both ways. Oh, of course. It's unbelievable. Any suggestions about, you know, how we educate uh, people better or try and assist them with this? It's a really, uh, by saying that, it's really worried me because recently uh, some client switched uh, to us. So uh, when they uh, when they retained us, um, they they told us when they go to the uh, their first lawyer the the previous lawyer they got promised uh, uh, like oh uh, I have your record uh, uh, I have your messages between you and the, the complainant so I think it's a bullshit it's a easy case uh, I, I absolutely I can get get your charge based on yeah. uh, like uh, in a short in a short period of the time don't worry about that. Then uh, after s- uh, several months, they just uh, t- told the client, oh, uh, you, uh, you either uh, guilty, plead plead, guilty. Right. Uh, or your luck is if you go to the trial and the complainant doesn't, doesn't show, show up, up. We, we can win your case. It's, yeah, how many times you got that client? Yeah. Look, again, we don't want to, there are a lot of very good criminal lawyers in, in, in Ontario and a greater Toronto area. But but sometimes these people from defined communities can be preyed upon with the wrong information. And and and, and yeah, we, we get that. And then they come so, to us and it's like, 
okay, dude, I got to like, don't hire me. But I'm trying to explain to you that's not like here. Well, look, they want four years jail. <laughs> it's right here on the charge screening form. Right. You know? So when you said we we needed to uh, educate the client, right. but the, if the client hears a different thing, different legal advice from other lawyer, it make our work more difficult. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Do you know how many times I hear the other lawyer guaranteed me he right. could get this? But sometimes it's just a client because we we as a practice speak with other lawyers before we take on a file often and try and resurrect the situation right. for them and sometimes it's just a client thinking they hear i mean sometimes people want to hear certain things and that's not exactly what comes out of the lawyer's mouth i mean there's a lot of truth to that and then yeah. you know we've had that and you know there's a few lawyers that um you know we know a bunch of lawyers we know really well we know they'd never say that right. you know but but there are but there is misinformation. The other problem is when they do their own research, right? right? When they when they go on the internet and, right. and they think they can get the answer from the internet and it's not leading them down the right path and they come to have a hard belief that this is really true and we're not telling them the truth. I mean, I, I guess the only thing we can do is just keep trying to give them source information and educate them and hope they understand. But, you know, I think as, as a, I think more greater thought has to come into what Kara decided to do in that case and look at some something in a more, you know, uh, holistic way to try and deal with it and not always stigmatize everybody. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's why we uh, took a lot of time to do the podcast. Uh, Joseph also do the uh, newsletter and also the commentary. Uh, we try really hard. Yeah. I mean, the newsletter is subscribed yeah. by a lot of people, but we try really hard to provide education to everybody out there. It's free. It's accessible um, with updates on the law. But it's it's... It's just, you know, I think what, what caused us to do this was not only to showcase you, Daisy, you're such a wonderful part of our firm and we want to show you, but because it's like such a palpable issue we've right. been dealing with for the last seven years, that it's like something we got to, as a society, we got to do something more than just, you know, okay, you're handcuffed, you're out, you're not going to see your kids, the, you know, everybody's in turmoil. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, Daisy, what's your, your parting wisdom? Uh... Like, subscribe. Can you say it in Mandarin? Yeah,如果你喜欢我们的节目,或者请您呢,就是点击底下来订阅我们,或者来分享我们的视频,谢谢。Love it! That was great. Good night, guys. Good night, everybody. Thank you.